Why, hello, everybody. It, it's been a little while, you know, we've been busy uh, with school and whatnot, but uh, we are back yeah. um, at long last for another episode of No Lights, No Camera Action. Still have not recorded a higher quality version of that Indiana Jones clip. It's fun. Oh well. <laughs> I I um, brand. Whoa, what was that? What was what? I just heard a very loud noise on your end. Was that or did I imagine that? Well, that was either me speaking or that was my chair. Okay. It sounded like a loud like sneeze or something. I don't know. I, anyway, <laughs> it's probably nothing. I, I I am Noah, and I'm joined as always by Jacob. Hello, everyone. And we're just gonna this is gonna be just a kind of a chill episode this time around. We we have a major uh, topic for a future episode planned, um, but um, I think both of us need to take a little more time to work on that. And yeah, just so you know, regarding that. Howard the Duck is available on Peacock. So if you haven't seen it, I'd recommend you watch that before that special episode. Oh, boy. Um, yeah. Um, but anyways, yeah, we're just going to talk about, you know, movies as we do, of course. Uh, the first thing I, I wanted to bring up is... and. I did not expect this, but when I woke up this morning, I, I was uh, pleasantly surprised by um, something that definitely needed to be brought up on the podcast, that being the Golden Globe nominations. Oh. Uh, were just announced today as we're recording this. Of course, this is going up a week later, um, but yeah. At the time we're recording this, the Golden Globe nominations just got announced. And, you know, some people use this as, as a, like, a semi-accurate predictor for how the Oscars might turn out. Um, certainly worked last year with the acting category. <laughs> um, but... Um, it generally does work, especially with the acting category. Um, but I, so I just wanted to go over, um, the nominations briefly, um, and share my, my thoughts. And if you have thought, I, I don't know how many of these movies you've actually seen. I, I know I tend to keep up with more of the awards contenders than you do. Um, but I mean, I don't know. Uh, I don't, I don't know what you've watched this year without my knowledge. Who knows? Um, so, oh, God, why did you do that? Oh, geez. Hang on. No, I haven't. I, I just swiped the wrong way on my phone and it ended like, I, I need to go back to the, the thing. <laughs> oh, gosh. Hang on. Oh, geez, now I have to go back through my history to find the, the link and it's interesting because like I can go through my history on my phone and it shows both 
uh, my history on my phone and on my laptop. The problem is they're all grouped together. So like I, I had to scroll. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> so first off, we have best picture drama because, you know, Golden Globes does this weird thing and it's especially weird this year um, where they separate um, their best picture categories and their um, their best actor and best actress categories uh, into two different categories, drama and musical and comedy. Um, and, you know, the, some years it works. This year, there's some odd choices for the, the co- musical and comedy categories. So I'll get to that in a bit. But for best picture drama, we have The Father, Mank, Nomadland, Promising Young Woman, and Trial of the Chicago 7. Um, I don't know if you've seen any of the... I mean, I know two of these aren't even, haven't even gotten their wide releases yet. So I, I, I can pretty much guarantee you haven't seen The Father or Nomadland yet. <laughs> um, but I have no idea if you've seen any, I, any of the other ones. Um, I have not. Okay, because Mank... It has been, it has been a suspect an especially, like, dry year for watching movies. I don't know why... Drought. Okay, I've been going through an especially large movie drought. There we go. That's why I said dry. Okay, that's where that came from. <laughs> well, I, I would I would definitely highly recommend... Um, I, out of these five, I've seen Mank and Trial of the Chicago 7. I highly recommend both of them. They're both on Netflix. Um, and Nomadland will be hitting Hulu later this month um which i'm very excited for because from what i hear that's the front runner for best picture um but yeah so so yeah i've been keeping up with like speculation about um what would win what what could win in what category this year um so i'm I'm not necessarily surprised by any of these best picture um, nominees for the drama category. I might be a little surprised that The Father was nominated over. Um, I mean, uh, well, there's a lot of there's a lot of other movies that could have been nominated. I mean, again, The Father hasn't received its wide release yet. I believe it's hitting theaters sometime this month. Um, but it's been playing at festivals, of course, and it's gotten a lot of critical acclaim. But uh, you know, I, I was expecting to see something like Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, which is also really good on Netflix. Um, uh, maybe, what was the other one I was thinking? Oh, Da Five Bloods, which, Da Five Bloods didn't get nominated for a single thing, which is shocking really? to me. Yeah, I guess. It, wow. Yeah, I know. It's It's been getting a lot of critical acclaim, but like, especially for Delroy Lindo's performance, a lot of people, um, you know, from what I read on the internet, I read like, you know, the typical article someone makes of like, what got snubbed and what were the surprise nominations? And uh, it seems like people definitely think Delroy Lindo was probably one of the biggest snubs. And again, that doesn't necessarily mean he's not going to get nominated for an Oscar. but uh, it's just surprising that Da Five Bloods didn't get any nods. Uh, 
this time around for for the Golden Globes at least because uh, it's been doing pretty well in other award circuits, um, even nominations for Chadwick Boseman uh, in supporting categories, um, but um, yeah, I so I don't know, uh, but I mean the, all of the best picture dramas, all the ones. I have seen, I think are really good. I especially like Trial of the Chicago 7 is definitely in my top five for the year. Um, and Mank, yeah, Mank is really good, but it's been losing a lot of steam like in other awards uh, talks. Um, but I, I really like it um, and hope it, it wins some stuff. Um, and now we get to Best Picture Musical and Comedy. Now this is where things get weird because, oh God damn it, I did it again. <laughs> no, I can't. Well, hang on, now that I pulled it up, it should be higher up on my list. Yeah, there we go. Okay, cool. So Best Picture Musical and Comedy, it definitely feels like the Golden Globes were struggling to put together some nominees for this category specifically. Um, the first clue to that is the fact that Hamilton is nominated, despite not oh. being a movie. <laughs> like, like for, for those confused. The live recording of Hamilton, yeah, I mean. The live recording, it's the, it's the pro shot of Hamilton that debuted on Disney Plus this summer. That is nominated. That's a that's a bit silly. <laughs> yeah, here here's my argument, and they actually like the the Academy has outright said Hamilton is not eligible for Oscars. They've outright said that. Um, mm -hmm. It's it's a very vague rule. Like they had to have discussion about it because like they. <sighs> The way I see it, I I disagree with the Golden Globes counting this as uh, in the same category with feature films. Because if anything, I would count this as maybe like a TV movie, if that. So maybe nominated in like the the TV categories. Um, that that's my opinion, but um. Especially because there is a Hamilton movie in the works. Oh, God. And yeah. Which, which I, I mean, are you surprised? It's like, it... No, but I am severely disappointed. I mean, it's, it's the most, like, successful Broadway musical in years. Um, I... And I'm not saying this at being anti-Hamilton. Granted, I have not watched Hamilton. I've had an aversion to watching Hamilton for a long time. Um, just because of people around me just obsessing over it uh, and me getting uh, real sick of it. Um, yeah, it was like better frozen. <laughs> By the way, for that for that series we're, we're talking about uh, doing... I kind of want to do the Frozen movies for one of them. <laughs> because do it. now, even though there's only two, but I have I have an, I have a silly idea for making it more interesting. 
All right. Um, I look forward to seeing that. Yeah. And you guys can look forward to figuring out what the hell we're going on about at some point in the future. I think we <laughs> talked about this on a previous episode. I, I Did think we? we talked about, um, yeah. You, basically, Jacob and I are working on our new YouTube series where we're going to be explaining different, but the lore of different, like, franchises to each other. Uh, I'm going to be starting off by explaining to him the uh, Nightmare on Elm Street series um, and and the, the story among those. Uh, well, at least the, the first seven films, because we're going to watch Freddy versus Jason together at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, I know he's discussed doing One Piece. I'm not sure if that's going to be the first one he does, because that's going to be a multi-part. I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I'm torn because of the multi-part nature of it, because like it, One Piece is massive, so we are splitting that into multiple episodes just for sanity. <laughs> and Jacob's and also- so I'm not sure whether or not I should start out with the first, like start with that, so we can do an episode of One Piece and then like mix intermix stuff, or start out with something else and then do just a long series of whenever I'm explaining something, it's One Piece. Yeah, uh, and, and Jacob has also uh, requested that at some point I, I, I do an episode explaining to him the lore of Rampa, which is quickly becoming my least favorite video game series ever. <laughs> like, <laughs> that is, that is, and I've got another video I'm working on about that series that's separate from this, but... Anyway, so back to the Golden Globes. Um, so yeah, I, so I, like, I disagree with the Golden Globes counting Hamilton as a movie because it's it's just, there is nothing different between the, the version you see on Disney Plus and the version you would see on Broadway, apart from I think they censored an F-bomb or two um, for Disney+, Plus, because, of course, um, uh, they got to keep that PG-13 rating. Um, well, I guess we know which version of Deadpool 2 is getting on there first. <laughs> well, they're, they're actually <laughs> watching a... Well, we'll get to... I'll, I'll bring that up later. Um uh so yeah hamilton's nominated in the best picture musical or comedy category um and yet as much as i don't agree with that being a thing it still makes yeah okay so i'll just read off the nominees uh borat subsequent movie film makes Mm -hmm. yeah Hamilton. um Mm -hmm. This is where things get interesting, as if they didn't already. Uh, this movie called Music, which no one has heard of. Um, it is apparently a musical film directed by the singer Sia that stars Kate Hudson and Leslie Odom Jr., this movie, I looked it up. It's got like a 30-something percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, it's down to 29% right now. Oh, 29. That's what it is. Yeah. And th- that's the critic score for those people. 
And for those who want to know the audience score, 20%. So um yeah, so that's interest that's an interesting choice for a nomination. A movie that no one's heard of that is getting mixed reviews at best. Oh god, please tell me that Sonic the Hedgehog is one of the one of the nominees in that case. The remaining nominees are Palm Springs and The Prom. God damn it. Do they nominate music just so they wouldn't have to nominate Sonic the Hedgehog? See, here's the thing. Sonic the Hedgehog is 100% more deserving. <laughs> you know what else? You know what else should be on here? You know what? what? I would legit, if I were in charge of these nominees, having not seen any of these films except The Prom... Which the prom isn't that good either, but I mean it, it's a it's it's a musical that people will enjoy. It, it's just not like groundbreaking or anything. It's you know, um, and and we'll get to more on the prom in a bit. Um, but I would just replace Hamilton and music with Sonic the Hedgehog and Freaky. Freaky is awesome. And should really get more love because because it's so good. It's it's just a fun time, and that that it's more horror than comedy, but totally counts as comedy. So, yeah, I would, and I haven't seen Palm Springs, but I hear that's really good. If if I were to choose a winner out of these based on what I've heard, I would choose either Borat or Palm Springs. Um, yeah, I lean towards Palm I haven't seen any of them still, but <laughs> I would all, just from what I've heard, I'd lean towards Palm Springs. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, so, yeah, the music, yeah, the comedy and musical categories, very weird this year. And it, I mean... Yeah, it, it's just I I'm very ba I'm baffled by some of some of the choices that the Golden Globes have made this year, um, and so we move on then to Best Actress in a Motion Picture Drama. For this, you have Viola Davis for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Andra Day for The United States versus Billie Holiday, Vanessa Kirby for Pieces of a Woman. Frances McDormand for Nomadland, and Carrie Mulligan for Promising Young Woman. And from what I hear, I'm not, I'm not necessarily surprised by any of these nominees. I've heard all of these names floating around um, as, as potential Oscar nominees. And this is a, these acting categories, especially for best actress and best actor, these acting categories are going to be super competitive this year. There's a lot of very strong contenders. Um, I, I'll be interested to see how the Golden Globes play out as far as who wins in these categories. Um, because I have no idea at this point who's, who's going to win the Oscars. Um, uh, I guess the one, the one snub that people are arguing for this category is uh, Zendaya for Malcolm and Marie, which comes out on Netflix at the time we're recording this, this Friday, and I'm super fucking excited about it. Um, I, have a, <laughs> I have a plan. I'm going to do a double feature on Friday. 
of Malcolm and Marie, which uh, hits Netflix that Friday, and Woody Woodpecker, which leaves Netflix that Friday. Because <laughs> I'm really curious about this live-action Woody Woodpecker film, <laughs> and I've, but I've never had a good excuse to watch it, and now I do, because it's leaving to make way for Malcolm and Marie. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm just gonna watch them both <laughs> see if it's an even trade <laughs> yeah anyway um but yeah um and as far as early reviews for that movie yeah zendaya has been getting a lot of praise um i have no idea who who would have who i would nominate in the in this group over or who i would nominate who i would replace with her in this group because the only movie of these i've seen so far is ma rainey's black bottom um but um and i've heard all these actresses do a great job in their respective films so i, I don't know it again super super competitive oscars race this year especially in the acting categories um, for Best Actor Motion Picture Drama, we have Riz Ahmed for Sound of Metal, Chadwick Boseman for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Anthony Hopkins for The Father, Gary Oldman for Mank, and Tahar Rahim for uh, The Mauritanian. Um, that's probably the biggest surprise from what I've heard, um, although The Mauritanian seems to be getting a lot more buzz leading up to its uh, release this month um, in theaters. Um, there, It gets another nomination later. Um, but I, I'm interested to check out that movie for sure. Um, and yeah, again, uh, a lot of people feel like Delroy Lindo has been snubbed from this category, which I, I haven't seen Da Five Bloods yet, or any of these films except for Mank and Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Um, at this point, I would, from what I've seen and heard, I'm rooting for Chadwick Boseman. He really, he really deserves that posthumous Oscar. Yeah. Um, it sound from what I hear, Anthony Hopkins is his biggest competition, which, I mean, keep in mind, Anthony Hopkins, you know, we're talking Hannibal Lecter here. He, he... This guy can act, and uh, he, of course he won for Hannibal Lecter, but a lot of people feel like he is due for a second Oscar. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens there. And again, I really want to check out The Father when that comes out. Um, for Best Actress in a Motion Picture Musical or Comedy, this, this is interesting. We have... Uh, and the other interesting thing here is... There are actresses nominated in this category for movies that have better reviews than music. <laughs> there is the act, the lead actress for music is also nominated here, but like you really couldn't have nominated one of <laughs> the movies for that category. Anyway, we have uh, Maria Bakalova for Borat subsequent movie film which I was surprised by, not because I didn't think she'd get nominated, because she has been getting a lot of buzz for her role in Borat subsequent movie film. But I think a lot of people assumed she'd be competing in the 
supporting actress category. Now, maybe the the Golden Globes are classifying her performance differently than the Oscars are, but um, I, I mean, it was nice to see her get a nomination because I hear she, it, like a lot of people have been rooting for her to get nominated for awards uh, for her performance in that. Um, uh, so it's awesome to see her actually get nominated. Uh, Kate Hudson for music, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer for French Exit, Rosamund Pike for I Care A Lot, and Anya Taylor-Joy for Emma. I have no idea who to root for <laughs> in this cat. I haven't seen any of these movies. Um, as far as like what I've heard, I've heard, I've definitely heard the most buzz for Maria Bakalova for um, Borat's subsequent movie film. Although I do really like Anya Taylor-Joy and would love to see her win as well. Uh, although I haven't seen Emma. Um, and then we have uh, best actor in a motion picture musical or comedy. Uh, nominees for that are Sasha Baron Cohen for Borat's subsequent movie film. No surprise there. Um, James Corden for The Prom, which a lot of people are really surprised by his perf him getting nominated specifically and also surprised at what they argue is a snub. I'm personally glad she didn't get nominated, but a lot of people wanted Meryl Streep or, or thought, at least thought Meryl Streep would get nominated for uh, The Prom, but did not. Um, James Corden did. Do I agree with that? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, it, how is, <clears throat> yeah, I don't, yeah, again, they, it feels like they were stretching for these categories, um, but you've got also Lin-Manuel Miranda for Hamilton, again, I've, I've said my piece on Hamilton, <clears throat> um, Dev Patel for The Personal History of David Copperfield, and Andy Samberg for Palm Springs. I think out of this group, I I would probably predict Sasha Baron Conan to take it, honestly. Um, granted, there could be a huge surprise. For all I know, Lin-Manuel Miranda could win it. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, then you have Best Supporting Actress. And for the supporting categories, they do combine them they don't separate the supporting categories um it by by genre i mean um and yet there's there's still some unexpected choices here um at least in my opinion uh from what i've heard uh you've got glenn close for hillbilly elegy a movie that i've heard is bad but she does a good job in um olivia coleman for the father uh, Jodie Foster for the Mauritanian. Again, I especially want to see the Mauritanian for Jodie Foster because she's one of my favorite actresses. Um, Amanda Seyfried for Mank, who, having not seen the Mauritanian yet, is currently my pick to win. Um, and then Helena Zengel for News of the World. Uh, she plays the young girl in News of the World, uh, which I have seen. Um that movie, it's, it's not a bad movie, 
Um, it just feels like super generic Oscar bait material. Um, she gives a good performance. She she's you know a young girl. Uh, she she gives a good performance in it. But personally, I mean, it's not the worst movie I've seen in theaters this uh this um past month. We'll get to that. Um, as you can see, we'll get to that. But um, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, so. I think News of the World is probably going to get nominated for a bit of Oscars. Um, I don't see it winning much. Um, yeah, it's, you know, good, decent performance from Tom Hanks, period drama. You, like, it, it's, it's filled to the brim with Oscar bait, but not much else. Um, and then you have Best Supporting Actor for Motion Picture, uh, Sasha Baron Cohen once again for Trial of the Chicago 7, which again, I love, 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 love that movie. Um, and he's great in it. Um, Daniel Kaluuya from, from uh, Judas and the Black Messiah, which I believe comes out in theaters next week. I really want to see uh, revolving around the Black Panther Party. Mm. Now here is the 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 nomination I'm actually the most surprised by of any of the nominations here. Jared Leto for The Little Things, a movie that is currently playing at my local theater. I have heard nothing about this movie. It has like a 48% on Rotten Tomatoes. It also stars Dave Denzel Washington and Rami Malek. So literally, these three guys have all won Oscars, but it's it like it's just got mixed reviews right now. I haven't heard anything about Jared Leto's performance specifically, so now I just want to see this movie just because I'm curious, like how his performance got nominated here above like others that could have gotten nominated. Okay, okay, I'm looking at. Right. Uh, the little okay. I just quickly googled the little things because I feel I recognize the name, but couldn't place what the movie even was. Oh, okay. The the little thing, the little things reminds me of like, like just like on the outside looking in, haven't seen it. Reminds me of a lot of movies that I'll just see like like a lot of like cop like murder like like cop investig like cops investigate crime movies that will just like they're just like periodically around and just kind of hovering in the background but then I never actually go to see yeah, Does that it, make sense? yeah I read the description too it just sounds like a generic cop movie I don't know what Jared Leto does in this movie that warrants a Golden Globe nomination yeah um so yeah that was surprising because I was just like wait what the fuck <laughs> well, it's been a while since I've watched a crime thriller so I may if it wasn't for COVID, I'd probably go check that out. Yeah. And of course, again, like, like Jared Leto, I understand that he's a good actor in stuff. Um, I've only seen him in Suicide Squad. Well, no, okay. I've seen him in other stuff where he's pretty good. Like, um, he's, he's good in Panic Room. Um, um, anyway, uh, and then the trailers for Morpheus, which who 
or Morbius, not Morpheus. <laughs> God, it's been, it's been oh, yes, Matrix long. Five. It's been so long since that movie was supposed to come out that I forget the character's name. <laughs> oh man. Uh, and then you got Bill Murray for On the Rocks. Again, I hear that's a meh movie, but that he's really good in it. And of course, I love me some Bill Murray. And Leslie Odom Jr. for One Night in Miami, who's probably the front runner. And I actually watched One Night in Miami right before we record this episode. Hadn't seen it yet. Um, it's getting a lot of awards buzz, especially for Leslie Odom Jr.'s performance. And I agree. He, he's really good in it. Uh, I, I would be totally content with either him or Sasha Baron Cohen winning this at this point. Um, uh, having not seen the others. Um, and then we have Best Director. Uh, for this, we have Emerald Fennell for uh, Promising Young Woman, David Fincher for Mank, Regina King for One Night in Miami. It is also her directorial debut. Oh, um, Aaron Sorkin for Trial of the Chicago 7, and Chloe Zhao for Nomadland. Oh, I'm so happy about these nominations because in a category that is infamously dominated by white men, <laughs> we have a year, at least for the Golden Globes, of course the Oscars could easily swing this way too, Three women are nominated and two of them are women of color. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Um, that, yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that, I, like, when I saw those nominees, I was like, yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, and wouldn't, would you, like, you know what's crazy and I think this year has a solid chance of changing this fact. Only one woman has ever won the Oscar for Best Director. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah, it was Catherine Bigelow for The Hurt Locker back in 2008. Um, hmm. Yeah, this year could easily turn that around. Um uh, and then for best screenplay for a motion picture, um, we have Emerald Fennell for Promising Young Woman, Jack Fincher for Mank, a, another posthumous nomination there, because um, director David Fincher uh, made the film based on his father's screenplay. Ah, uh, right. Uh, Aaron Sorkin for Trial of the Chicago 7, Christopher Hampton and Florian Zeller for The Father, and uh, Chloe Zhao for Nomadland. Um, again, two female writers there who are also nominated for the same films for directing. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, really, really solid. Um, a, a, lot of, a lot of representation um, in these categories, which is good. Um, uh, best Picture Animated, we have The Crudes, A New Age, Onward, Over the Moon, Soul, and Wolfwalkers. Soul is gonna win this. If you haven't seen Soul, you need to see Soul. It's on Disney Plus. Go watch it. It's so fucking good. Um, 
Then we have best picture foreign language. Here we have a controversy because the Golden Globes um, wouldn't allow... The Golden Globes has this thing, and you know this has come up also with Parasite and Roma the previous two years, where um, if a film has a certain amount of uh, non-English speaking in it, they will nominate it for um, <clears throat> foreign language and not allow it to compete for the best picture. Oh, uh, come on. Yeah, no, it's... That's fucking, ridiculous. It's fucking stupid. Um, especially in Minari... It's best picture, not best English picture. Yeah, especially for Minari's case, because it was made in the U.S. <laughs> it was made in the U.S. Granted, it does have, I, I think, Korean? I think, it, I think it's, like, partially Korean. Um, forgive me if I'm wrong on, on the language there. But yeah, so it's nominated in this category and people are upset that it's not being allowed to compete in the best picture drama category because um, from what I understand, this is likely to get a best picture nomination for the Oscars. Um, So it's Minari and then you've got Another Round, um, which I hear is really good. Uh, Mads Mikkelsen starring in that. Uh, Love him in Hannibal. Um, La Llorona, uh, The Life Ahead, and Two of Us. Uh, for best score, I was surprised by a couple of these just because some of these are movies that aren't getting much awards attention. Um, that being The Midnight Sky, which I hear is really not good, but I guess it might have good music. Uh, Tenet which I was a little surprised seeing that nominated for score, but I mean, it, it's a decent score. Uh, News of the World, which, eh, okay. Um, Mank and Soul. Mank and Soul, I love the music in both of those. I don't know who I'd give it to. Trent Reznor did, worked on both of the, actually Atticus Ross and Trent, Trent Reznor did the soundtrack. Both of them, huh? Trench Reznor did the soundtrack. I can yeah. I can never yeah. hear his name and not think of the Facebook bit from Game Grumps. Well, yeah, <laughs> well, because I guess he's a frequent collaborator with uh, David Fincher. Um, because David Fincher, of course, also did Mank and The Social Network. Um, so yeah, yeah. I mean, well, yeah, he's an amazing film composer, and, and also if you haven't seen The Social Network, that that. That Trent Resin or soundtrack is really good. <laughs> it, it is a really good soundtrack. Um, and then for best song motion picture, um, we have Fight for You from Judas and the Black Messiah, Hear My Voice from Trial of the Chicago 7, uh, Low C or Scene from uh, The Life Ahead. Speak Now from One Night in Miami, and Tigress and Tweed from the United States versus Billie Holiday. Um, and uh, yeah, it, and that, that's all the, the film-related awards. Um, I'm not going to go over the TV stuff because we're, we've already spent a lot of time on that, getting sidetracked and everything. Um, and this isn't a TV podcast, 
<laughs> um, but uh, although I will mention that Ratchet was nominated for best um, series drama, and I hear Ratchet is terrible, so I'm surprised about that. Um, the that being a prequel series to uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, so film adjacent. Hmm. Um, ba- basically, it's it's made from the same guy. It's made by the same guy who who um, makes American Horror Story, and the general critical consensus of it has been it's just a bad season of American Horror Story. Um, is American Horror Story still going? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That that is a long running series, my friend. My my sister loves it and insists that I would love it too and I she's wrong I would not love that series I I'm not saying like it's bad I'm just saying that is absolutely not a series I would enjoy uh why do you say that well I I mean I have been getting more into horror but like like the specific horrors I've heard like taking place in that series is just not 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 my style (laughs) Um, like what i don't i don't know i can't think of any specific examples off the top of my head it just it like it it's like i i don't like excessively creepy horror it like i don't like super creepy horror um, I like psychological stuff. I like a Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> um, I, I I like uh stuff that's I like I like cheesy horror, I guess as well. Um, of course, Nightmare on Elm Street falls into that category in most of its iterations. Um, but yeah, I don't. It's just like. I, I, I've, I have a very strong feeling I would not like American Horror Story, um, but I don't know. Maybe I'll give it a shot at some point in my life. I, I have no interest in watching it currently. <laughs> um. Anyway, uh, so yeah, that's Golden Globes, uh, stuff. Um. Uh, do you have any particular film? I, I've been talking about Golden Globes for a while with you occasionally chipping in. Do you have any particular um, film news or anything you wanted to talk about? Uh, hmm. There's a couple of things. Give me a minute. I have to think of it. Speaking of Nightmare on Elm Street, apparently Heather Langenkamp, who plays the lead actress in the first Nightmare on Elm Street film, is going to be joining the cast of a Netflix series called The Midnight Club. Oh, cool. Hmm. Yeah, she hasn't done anything in a while. Cool. I have no idea. It's from Mike Flanagan, who is the director of Doctor Sleep and Haunting of Hill House. So it sounds like probably some 
It's based on a book. Hmm. Um, guess, I'm going to guess it's a horror series. Yeah, probably a horror series based on that title and that track record from the director. And, and Heather Langenkamp. Um, yeah. yeah I, I mean, she's done other stuff, but she... You know, she's primarily a horror icon for Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, and the third one, basically, she's in all of the good Nightmare on Elm Street films. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, you ju- like that is that is absolutely true. She she is in the first one, the third one, and Wes Craven's New Nightmare. And those are definitely the best three. <laughs> um, oh, one, one thing I remember. Apparently, like in his tip, like in his classical humor style, Sasha Baron Conan has said that if the trials of Chicago Seven or Borat don't win at the Golden Globes, he'll hire Rudy Giuliani to sue the Golden Globes. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I I could definitely, I I feel like he he probably, I I want I would love him to win for Trial of the Chicago Seven, but from what I'm hearing, it probably will more likely go to Leslie Odom Jr., who is also deserving. I think of the comedy uh, actors, he probably has the biggest chance of winning, and Borat's subsequent movie film probably has a pretty good chance of winning best motion picture, musical, or comedy. Um, again, Palm Springs is there, which I hear is really good, but um, I, I feel like especially because of like the cultural impact, or the cultural relevance, I should say, of Borat's subsequent movie film, especially with the Rudy Giuliani. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like how it hit, how it sort of tackles the pandemic head on and a lot of other political issues. I don't know, I could definitely see that uh, taking the Golden Globe. Um, uh, there was a Deadpool thing you wanted to bring up. Is that still later or? Oh, oh, it, it wasn't directly related to Deadpool, but you saying, uh, like, you joking about uh, which version of Deadpool 2 would go on Disney Plus. Um, the, they're apparently, they're launching a, like, they're launching a section of Disney Plus in certain countries. Not, there's no plan for a US release yet. But I feel like there will be, um, and it, it's called Star, and it's basically where they're gonna put more adult-oriented content. Oh, so like Die Hard, Alien franchise. Uh, I think, I think the the Love Simon spinoff, Love Victor, might be moving to that. Um, that sir, that service. I know it's currently on Hulu, but I think they might be moving it to. Uh, star on Disney Plus, but yeah. So just like a, I, I don't know if it'll cost anything extra, or if it'll just come included with all Disney Plus subscriptions, um, or maybe both. Maybe they'll just up the price of Disney Plus to account for that. Um, but I mean, like if it's a, like, if it's effectively just like a 
corded off area for the like for the films that the children shouldn't be watching. I feel like it doesn't feel like it should be like like additional cost to the thing. Yeah, but also the, the at the very least, I don't think it should be additional cost to the bundle. Yeah, I I, I like yeah. I, I do think that eventually they probably will raise prices anyway. Oh, yeah, at, at some point, definitely. Because it's it's kind of winning the streaming wars, almost, or it's starting to win, Um, you know, especially with, like, all the Star Wars stuff. I mean, Mandalorian, of course, and WandaVision, of course, which is so fucking good right now. I, yeah. We're not a TV podcast, but we may... It, it's okay. a big movie adjacent thing. Let's speak let, let out about, about WandaVision for a little bit. Film adjacent, it'll lead into films. WandaVision yeah. is fucking good. Uh, yeah. I am very excited to see where they're going with the next episode. Yeah. Okay. From frame of refer- the frame of reference, just for full context, going into the future, whenever someone watches this, uh we're part we're on episode four of WandaVision being released. Yes, yes. Four was released last Friday for us. Five will be released in two days. Um, and yeah, we it is very good. I again, I I'm very interested to see what all happens. I mean, I have a pretty good idea of like what they're going for. Um, of I don't know. I I can't think of like all the details of what is going to happen. But like, I mean. I, I kind of, I feel like I came to the conclusion that it was all Wanda's doing before the show made that the case. Uh-huh. Or made that case, like, known. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I got the impression, like, right away, like, even before the show started coming out, I was like, yeah, it's, it's I mean, that's an alternate reality created by Wanda. Um, yeah. Oh, I still think there's going to be some reveal that some additional forge is involved, like either some addition, like oh, yeah. other different character like, of, of some kind. Just because yeah. this is such a big jump from everything, anything we've seen want to do in the MCU, that it feels like it warrants an explanation. Now, here's something interesting. She, Elizabeth Olsen, has stated that um, there is a that there might be a cameo that will be as huge as the Luke Skywalker cameo in The Mandalorian. I don't know what the fuck that could mean. Um, okay, so someone happens. comes back or something? I mean, so there, there's speculation. Uh, there's a lot of speculation that Evan Peters, um, who played Quicksilver in the X-Men movies, uh, will return to play Quicksilver. I don't see that happening. Um, I mean, he's apparently cast for something. Yeah, see, I'm thinking he's going to be the grown-up version of Speed. Oh. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Oh, that that would work so well, actually. I did not come up with that idea. I saw it on the internet. Like, someone was like, everyone's talking about Evan Peters potentially playing Quicksilver. What if he's playing the adult version of Speed? And I'm like... yeah, that that makes sense. That um, would work really well, actually. But cool. Um, yeah, no, I, I I think I think there's a good chance he's playing speed, which would be awesome. Like, yeah. I, that's that's awesome if that's the case. Um, 
if if it's him playing Quicksilver again, they're gonna need some. They're gonna have some explaining to do, and it's not just gonna be explaining it like, oh yeah, like it, it's an alternate reality. Like, well, shit, it's Wanda's creation. If she added Quicksilver to the reality, it would be the shitty Quicksilver. <laughs> Because that's the Quicksilver she knows. Um, but anyway. Uh, no, but yeah, so that's potential. And of course, there, there's a lot of speculation of other like potential things. I'm hearing a lot of Mephisto speculation. Yeah, which, which makes sense because Mephisto was a big part of the comic story that it's based off of. And also would make sense leading into Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. And explain like how she suddenly wanted wanted to suddenly way more powerful than before. And potentially Spider-Man 3, if that one internet theory about it being an adaptation of one more day is correct. Which is gonna be super controversial if it is. Oh, if Okay, if it is a sp- adaptation of a more day, I just hope that they also do an adaptation of the Clone Saga just to finish pissing everyone off. I mean, wait, wait. What if it's not a multiverse thing? What if Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield are playing clones? <laughs> That'd be fucking stupid. But... Uh, it would be so dumb. It would be so terrible. I'd be entirely there for it. Oh my god. I mean, I... There's no doubt at this point that it's going to be a multiverse thing. And and Zendaya has actually, like, in an interview, talked about working with Alfred Molina. So, like, that, it, like, as if that wasn't already confirmed, like, that that's, like, perfectly set in stone that, like, yeah, he's, you know, they've been working with him. Um, and uh, so, yeah. Um, yeah, I guess the, we, we talked about a couple different things there. Um, okay. All right, let's just, all right, let's rip off the Band-Aid now. Let's <laughs> address the thumbnail. I, I saw the Monster Hunter movie. <laughs> and? Oh, fuck, there, there was a... There, it feels like there was something uh, all I told you was that I would talk about it in depth right? Yep. Okay. So now granted I have not seen Doolittle. I have not seen Artemis Fowl. From what I have seen this might be the worst film of 2020. <laughs> um, oh, where to begin with this? Okay, so we got morbidly excited about... I feel like both of both you and me got morbidly excited about this based on the trailer. Because the trailer has some dumb shit in it. Particularly the line where one of the guys on her army squadron whatever, is like, so what? We're like the Guardians of the Galaxy? Oh, my favorite part is still just, like, the military, like, 
the soldiers getting transported, getting transported from insert generic desert here to insert generic desert here, Mark Two, when that should be the fantastical realm where everything's different, but it's more boring. Oh, oh, oh. oh and there's so much funny about that, having now seen the film in full. Um, first of all, oh, I f- remember the thing I wanted to bring up first. Remember that, remember when we discussed Quantum of Solace on the podcast? Yeah. Remember that, that opening action scene? Oh God, yeah. Um, where it's just too many edits and you can't tell what the fuck is happening in any of it? <laughs> oh no. Most of this movie is edited like that. <laughs> There, there's a scene not too dissimilar from that one at the very beginning where there's a bunch of like people on a pirate ship that is being attacked by a dragon who you later learn to be Rathalos. Um, I, I think, I don't know, it's been a couple weeks. Um, I've tried my hardest to both push this movie out of my memory and also retain as much memory as I can to... Ex- to um, to rant about on the podcast. Um, So, also, okay, you know who the first human character you see in this film is? Or the the first actor you see? Fucking Ron Perlman, who is not in the trailers, but is probably the biggest, like, probably the most well-known actor in this movie. Ron Perlman, in case you aren't aware, um, is the OG Hellboy. Oh. Yeah. And he's done other stuff besides that. Um, But, um, yeah, no, he he is probably the most well-known actor in this this movie. Um, Like... Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, they, like, and his character is just called Admiral. Um, so, yeah, he's on that pirate ship, and that that scene makes you think they're all dead, and they're not, by the way, but they don't show up again until much later in the movie. Um, here's the other thing about this movie. The... Mm-hmm. So, the trailer is misleading in a lot of ways. Uh-huh. Um, that line, that amazingly stupid line of, so what, we're the Guardians of the Galaxy, is not in the fucking movie. Really? Oh it's, man. It's not in the movie. I was waiting for it. And then, you know what? I was waiting for it. I was waiting for it. I was like, okay. He's going to say it at some point. Like, after they spend some time fighting these monsters, he's going to say it. Say the line, Bart. Say the line. Yeah. And you know what he does instead of saying that line? What? Fucking dies along with everyone else (laughs) on the team except for Mila Jovovich. They all die in the first 30 minutes. Everyone except Mila Jovovich dies right away. Why even have them there? Oh my god, I was like, what the fuck? 
I mean, I knew they were going to die because in the trailer she says, like, I'm going to make sure everyone gets back home alive, and then she's shown alone back home fighting Rathalos. <laughs> no, and they all die right the fuck away. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's immediate. Some of them died to um, uh, Diablos, which, which is actually the main dragon they're fighting for most of the... Th- the film. Um, okay, so, okay. Here's the other thing. This movie is like an hour and 30 minutes or uh-huh. something like that. Or like an hour 40. Um, the first hour is a very different movie from the last 30 minutes. Like, it, like they do not feel like the same movie at all. <laughs> like, the first half of, or like the first hour or so feels like a fucking resident evil movie but instead of being in a warehouse being chased by zombies she's in the desert and by the way this is the same director and same lead actress as the the resident evil movies so it's not a fucking coincidence (laughs) either it's like the studio wanted to make a monster hunter movie because the monster hunter games have become have started becoming really popular and they're like, okay, like, we need to find a, a director who will, you know, make a good Monster Hunter movie. But instead of saying that, they were like, instead of saying who's a good director to make a Monster Hunter movie, they said, who's a director that has made a video game movie before? And went to Paul W.S. Anderson and of course, he cast his wife, Mila Jovovich, in the lead role <laughs> because he did in the Resident Evils. It worked there. Um, uh, and in all fairness, that alone isn't like a. I feel like that alone, like in a vacuum, isn't a damning decision because, like, Monster Hunter is. You're playing as, like, generic. Not generic. You're playing as rent, generic avatar number three. <laughs> it doesn't really. Oh, oh, and by the way, they really shoehorn in the mention of classes, I think, um, because, like, there's one character that she meets, like, after all her friends die, um, by the way, they're, like, a lot of their death streams are, like, really gross, like, is, that's where I, like, started to get Resident Evil vibes, even though I've never seen any of the Resident Evil movies, um, it just like had that feeling, but instead of being in a warehouse fighting off zombies or whatever, and then the final boss is Ghost Rider's fleshy lover, <laughs> that's a reference to our Ghost Rider playthrough over on the Hitmon channel. Um, instead of that, they're on a fucking desert, and the final boss is not Rathalos, but Diablos, um, at least for that first hour. We'll get to the other stuff in a bit. Um, the So the only other human character left alive in that first hour is a character only ever referred to as Hunter. He doesn't have a name, and he also doesn't speak English, which doesn't make any sense based on something we see in, later in the movie. Because, oh, spoiler alert, he actually is friends with those pirates who you thought died at the beginning and they're alive again in the last 30 minutes and they speak English just fine. 
So why does he not speak English? It, I, it doesn't make sense. Like, it's not me being like, oh, like, you need to speak English. Although, it, it does present an issue when, like... Like, like does he speak his own language, or do they, does he just not speak or something? He doesn't really speak at all. No, he, he knows the names of the monsters. That, that's about it. And then Mila Jovovich's character teaches him a couple words, most notably bait and chocolate. Um... And, um, like, they're having a conversation, and, like, he, she, like, shows him, like, one of her army tags, and it just says Ranger. Like, she has a name, by the way, but, like, mm -hmm. that's her rank, I get, or, like, her, that's, I don't, I don't know why, I don't know how to Division, maybe? Hold on. Yeah, no, army I, ranger is a thing, but I, maybe I don't. I don't fucking know. And then like he mimes like do, shooting a bow and arrow, and she's like, "Oh, hunter," like, and that's the that's their establishment of the classes. I don't even know if there's. I don't know anything. There about aren't that. classes. It's just you have a weapon, and that defines how you do things. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. And also, yeah, will, ranger is a job. Okay. I will say, there is one uh, scene in this movie where they're, like, testing out these different weapons, and it's kind of cool, but that's mm -hmm. the kind of cool part about this movie. <laughs> um, also, this first hour, as I've mentioned, feels very different from the last 30 minutes. This first hour has, I shit you not, Zero exposition. There's no exposition at all for the first hour, which now here's the thing. A lot of people, you know, complain about movies and TV shows having too much exposition. As someone who is currently in a playwriting and screenwriting class, exposition is important. You don't mm -hmm. want to overdo it or like, well, well, the argument that the like our textbook makes is that plays are nothing but exposition. It's just not like, it, it's just exposition that is delivered in a natural way. Um, mm -hmm. And you know, there are films and TV shows and plays and stuff that struggle with having exposition delivered in an unnatural way. But you still need exposition regardless they don't give you any fucking exposition in the first hour. Like, I was like, what does any of this, like, have to do with anything? What is the plot for the first hour? It's just, they get, they, they get transported to the, the, the other world. They don't talk about it, really. They, they're just like, what just happened? Like, and she, like, sees, like, the, this, like, cloud with, like, blue lightning that is, like, what transported her. Um, but like, they don't really talk about any, they don't give you any information about this world is the thing. They like, they don't, until the last like 30 minutes where fucking, so Ron Perlman, they like, so like Mila Jovovich's character is captured by like the, the hunter's pirate friends or whatever. And, uh, but then they come to an understanding 
And then Ron Perlman, oh, well, first of all, before Ron Perlman uh, comes important, um, you know this cat, what, what it, like the cat creatures yeah. in Monster Hunter? There is one of those on the pirate crew and it looks fucking awful. <laughs> like the effects in this movie aren't that bad for the most part. Rathlos actually looks pretty good. Um, but this cat thing looks fucking awful. Like it's hideous. And then there's one part where like the other characters are going off to battle. And like, as they're going off to battle, the the cat makes like a kissy face at Mila Jovovich's character. It's like, oh, fuck off. <laughs> um, but anyways, so before they go off to battle, Ron Perlman comes in with all the fucking exposition in the world. <laughs> uh, like explaining, okay, that's the sky tower or whatever. That is what transported you here. Rathalos is a dragon whose weak spot is just before he breathes fire. It, like, he says that. He fucking says that. <laughs> like, he, there's been no exposition in this entire movie, and then you just get this big exposition dump from OG Hellboy. Um, and then they fuck it. So they fight Rathlos. She gets back, she gets transported back to her world during the during the fight with Rathalos. Mm-hmm. Um and then like like a, an army helicopter comes and picks her up and is like where's your team? And obviously they're fucking dead. Um and then Rathalos is transported to our world. Um Oh, also, I should say visually, these parts are very different too. Because again, the first hour is like entirely that desert. Um, but oh. the 30 minutes, she goes to like this Akuna Matata esque, like <laughs> tropical fucking place. And then it's like this dark, like pirate cavern jail thing. And then there's the fucking tower from Lord of the Rings, <laughs> like where they fight Rathlos and she gets transported back. Um, and yeah, and so Rathalos comes into the real world, which, by the way, they just called the other world the new world. I think that's what they call it. It's something generic like that. <laughs> and then, so, like, Rathalos, like, attacks the helicopter. They all go down, but she's fine. Uh, and then, like, the pirate, fr- like, Ron Perlman and the hunter come through the portal, and they're like, well, he, he's been messing with our world for far too long. Can't let him mess with your world. And then they, they get ready to fight Rathalos. They get ready to, like, go in and continue the fight. The movie, and they all die. The movie ends. <laughs> fucking, you know that ending of Amazing Spider-Man 2 that people shit all over? It's just, Monster Hunter is the same fucking ending! Oh gosh! And then, apparently, there's a mid credit scene that I didn't um, stay for, but it doesn't really give you much more. It's just that ugly cat motherfucker going in and fighting Rathlos as well. That's it. Oh god. The 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 mid-credit scene is basically the same as the end of the movie, 
but just with the cat now. Like, it's, oh, this movie's fucking awful. Oh god, what did their did their CGI budget cut off exactly when they got to that shot or something? I, I don't fucking know. It, it makes sense because like, like Rathalos is like well, the most iconic the, monster from the series. Why wouldn't you do that well, as the big the, thing? They just wanted to make this a franchise and knew they couldn't kill off Rathalos right away because he's everyone's favorite monster. But, but then why end with a fight with him? To tease ya, motherfuckers! And you know what's crazy? This is the same fucking studio that did Amazing Spider-Man 2 and that had <laughs> them for Amazing Spider-Man 2, even though I love Amazing Spider-Man 2, and then they did the same exact thing with Monster Hunter! <sighs> And the only reason people aren't getting mad about it is because no one gives a shit about this movie. <laughs> like, I went and saw it because I was morbidly curious. Like, oh, is it like this could either be like a like this could either be like I mean like this is gonna be bad, but like it could either be like bad bad or like fun bad, like rampage, another group. Another video game adaptation that nobody cared about, but I love Rampage. Rampage is so fucking fun. It's bad, but it's a fun kind of bad. This is just terrible. No one's talking about it. (laughs) Oh. It's so fucking bad. And you know what capped off my evening seeing Monster Hunter? What? Um... So first of all, I wasn't the only one in the theater. There was like a group behind me of friends. I turned to them and at, like as the credits were rolling, I was like, have any of you guys played the Monster Hunter games? One guy rose his hand. I, I guess he is a Monster Hunter fan and got his friends to come see the movie with him. Uh-huh. Is the game anything like this? And he hesitated for a bit. It was like, eh, kind of. <laughs> like... Okay. Okay, but here, okay, it doesn't end there. So I go to the bathroom, and another of his friends, like, goes into the bathroom as well. And as we're washing our hands, like, like I'm washing my hands in one sink, he's in the other. Um, and, uh, and, uh, the guy says, man, after checking out that movie, I might have to check out those games. And I'm like, if that's if that movie is anything like what the games are like, I don't want to play another video game in my entire <laughs> life. It's... <laughs> I mean, I didn't say that, obviously. I was like, yeah, I mean, I hear the games are good. I didn't say anything about the movie because I was like, oh, they probably enjoyed it. I don't want to shit on their day. Um, especially because it was like a bunch of friends seeing it together. Um, and one of them was into the games, but the other just went because their friend liked the games. And they probably had a fun time with the fights and stuff, but like... <sighs> okay, I okay, I guess, I think from, from your description, I think where that guy was coming from, what, with this hesitant, I guess, response was... Uh, so, from my experience with the Monster Hunter games, the Monster Hunter games tend to be fairly, fairly story light, 
and are split between two main phases. A prep phase where you're just like running around like the places where like running around the various locations, just collecting stuff to prepare to fight monsters. And then fighting monsters, which are 50-minute boss fights. Oh, okay, that makes a lot more sense. And also that I'm sure that's fun for people who like the game. That doesn't make me want to play the games anymore. I mean, the boss fights are fun, at the very least. Like, yeah, but also, you... that's a fucking long boss fight. Yeah, yeah. Long fucking boss Like, oh, boy. Oh, man. Hang on. I need to, I need to drink some water. One sec. So, like, in a sense, they did get, like... So in a sense, from your description, they got everything but the weirdly wet, with the re, with the weirdly well textured food. Because <laughs> going into the boss fights, you can get buffs from eating meals that you that he ha- that the cats that you can have like the cats prepare, so that you can have like improved strength, improved speed, like improved health or whatever going into the fight. And the food is always like bizarrely well textured compared to everything else. It's weird, <laughs> but also kind of great. Yeah. Oh my god. Ah. Oh, the movie also starts with some text about something I don't remember. I don't know. I fucking hated this movie. This, <laughs> like, not just one of the worst movies of 2020. This is one of the worst movies I've ever fucking seen. And I do a series on YouTube where I seek out terrible movies. This is, oh my God. I at least enjoy some of those for their horribleness. This is just bad for being, this is just bad, bad. Oh. Uh, well, it's good to see, well, I suppose it's good to see that Uncharted, like the Uncharted movie still has a good shot at being the best video game movie. If it succeeds at just because like if it succeeds at just being a solid Indiana Jones knockoff, it will be one of the best video game movies by default. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like right now, I gotta give that to the Sonic movie, which came out this same fucking year. But yeah, it's like Sonic Detective Pikachu, at least one other that I'm just blanking on right now. Uh Rampage. Rampage. <laughs> there's there's, 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 there's definitely at least like one more that I'm just blanking on. Um, but Mortal, the first Mortal Kombat was apparently pretty good for what it was. Yeah, I mean, it's cheesy, but people like it. And yeah. That, I mean, that describes a lot of the older video game movies. Tomb Raider, Street Fighter, Mortal yeah. Kombat. <laughs> like, they're cheesy, but people enjoy the cheesiness. Um, uh, God, I, well, I mean... The real best video game movie is Professor Layton and the Eternal. Oh, yeah, that's the one. That's the one I was thinking. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the one. Having played very little of Professor Layton, that being the one puzzle you had me play, that, <laughs> movie, that movie is good. And also, um, we might dub that at some point. Cause, <laughs> uh, uh, Gracie has expressed interest in not only guest starring on this podcast, but also joining dubbers. And she really wants to, she's a huge Professor Layton fan. Ah, sweet. Yeah. yeah. Also, I really want to get like all of us together to dub Professor Layton versus Phoenix Wright. 
<laughs> like I really want to do that. I, I already know exactly how I want to break down the casting to like Liam is Phoenix, Gracie is Maya, you is Leighton, me is Luke. Like I already know I want that dynamic. Okay. How much do you know about the story of that game? Uh, I know there's a storyteller that will probably be played by Alex. Um, who, like, sucks them into a storybook world. And there's a witch hunt. That's what I know. <laughs> yeah, it's it's split between, like, like a merger of, like, late did and Phoenix Wright style, like, I skip, world explosion I stuff, which is, like, very similar, which works really well. I and the, through the, like, animated cutscenes to make sure they were dubbable. Okay, yeah. And then, like... Like the plot of those and then like there's like Professor Lee and Puzzle Scatter and everything, and then there's like the witch trials, which is where the Phoenix Wright gameplay comes in. Yeah. Anyway, <clears throat> we should probably. Oh, anyway. Man, so long talking about Monster Hunter. We got to talk about Mamma Mia, baby. So yeah, <clears throat> we it, for this episode for our our film for the films of the years of our lives challenge. Uh, it's two thousand eight. I was the one picking, and I picked Mamma Mia, which is an adaptation of the nineteen ninety nine musical of the same name, uh, compiled with a bunch of ABBA music. Um, and uh, the plot uh, to give a brief summary of the plot basically. Oh, I got to pull up character list. Hang on. Uh, so Amanda Seyfried's, <clears throat> Amanda Seyfried's character, um, who is named Sophie. Uh, she is 20 years old. She lives on this island. I, I don't know where the island is. I think it's Greece. My understanding that it's just somewhere in Greece. Yeah, it's some island in Greece uh, with her mom, Donna, played by Meryl Streep. Um, and she's getting married uh, to some guy. Um, and she really wants her dad to come to the wedding because uh, she, she never knew her dad. Um, he left before she was born. And uh, she finds her mom's diary where she talks about three men she uh, had you know, dalliances with back, um, like, around the time she would have become pregnant with Sophie. Um, so, so there's these three guys. It's Sam, Bill, and Harry. But she doesn't know which one of them is her father. And neither does Donna. Donna doesn't know who the father is either. So, um, in secretly, Sophie invites all three of the guys to the island uh, for the wedding and in order to try to figure out which one of them is her father. She doesn't end up finding out who her father is. And she also doesn't end up marrying the guy, not because she decides to break up with him, but because she decides to wait to marry him. But then Donna ends up marrying Sam, one of the guys, 
played by uh, Pierce Brosnan. Um, oh, that's why I recognized him. Okay. Yeah, fucking James Bond. Uh, well, one of the many, of course. <laughs> but uh, Goldeneye and uh, the first James Bond movie I ever saw, Die Another Day, which, from my understanding, is one of the worst. <laughs> so, um, I, to be fair, I pretty much only uh, watched that movie um, because of Halle Berry. <laughs> Uh, specifically that one scene where she comes out of the water in the orange uh, bathing suit. <laughs> that's... <laughs> anyway, that's... Uh, okay. I mean, I... I mean... <laughs> Look, you see the thumbnails I make. <laughs> you... <laughs> like, you know what you're getting into with me. Oh... <laughs> uh, oh... Uh, Sorry. I'm just, Are you going to move on? Are you going to drink yourself further into this hole? No, I'm just reminded. Remember that? What? Remember the episode where two, where uh, those two girls randomly like knocked on my door while we were recording, and ended up stopping by and saying hi to the podcast. Remember that instance? Yeah. And remember? Do you remember them going like whoa about something? And like you not understanding what they were woeing about. Vaguely, I guess. Okay. What they were woeing about is a poster I have on my wall of Jessica Alba in a bikini. <laughs> <laughs> so there's the context for you, however many episodes later, for anyone who was wondering. <laughs> uh, anyway. Oh man. Oh, <laughs> uh, so anyway, initial thoughts on Mamma Mia. <laughs> I've been talking for a while. Please, please give me your initial thoughts on Mamma Mia. Initial thoughts. Okay, I had something in my notes that I wanted to later have as initial thoughts. Oh boy. Uh, oh, here we go. Okay, so I started watching this movie at 2 a.m. Oh God! <laughs> and I, uh, and once I was doing that, and so I was like really tired. I was a little delirious. Thinking to myself, okay, two a.m. is probably not the best time to watch this, but I'm on a deadline. <laughs> yeah, like two. So I need to start. So I need morning? to watch this movie. Two a.m. this morning. Yep. Fucking <laughs> hell. And then at about three a.m., I was sitting there thinking to myself. 3 a.m. 2 a.m. may have been the best time to watch Mamma Mia. <laughs> <laughs> because, because, like, drunk on being tired, Jacob had a lot of fun with this movie. Not, like, fully awake the next morning because he decided to stop because health and shit. Jacob, so, like, I, saw, I watched, like, the first hour. Uh, at 2 a.m. than the last hour at a reasonable time of day. And I definitely had a lot more fun at 2 a.m. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely valid. Um, you know me. I'm, I'm, a, I'm the musical guy. I'm a theater. Yeah. I, I've, been, I've been in my fair share of musicals. Um, I've never actually seen this one um, on stage. Um, 
so so this movie was my first experience with this show um no there were definitely points where i didn't realize it was also a stage musical yeah again okay uh, although there were definitely points where i was i couldn't place them any of them for you but there are definitely points where i was thinking of huh this feels kind of like a stage musical yeah i mean fair yeah it's adapted from that yeah so and that makes sense that makes a lot of sense in hindsight yeah. Yeah, uh, in fact, there, there have been two instances in my life, again, I've never seen the stage musical, but there have been two instances in my life where someone I am close to has been going to a school where they were planning to do Mamma Mia, but for one reason or another, they couldn't. That happened both with our old high school and my sister's college. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um... As a side note, the musical my high school chose to do instead of Mamma Mia was Sister Act. Good musical. Um, our school is so white. They shouldn't be... Appar apparently it worked out. Apparently they, they did manage to get a, a, a black girl in the lead, um, which is good. Uh, but holy cow. Like, when <laughs> I heard that was their backup, I was like, oh, oh. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that just completely unrelated. Um, this is why these episodes typically go for at least two and a half hours. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, um, I just haven't given my actual thoughts on this. Uh so I, I watched this film entirely at a reasonable time. <laughs> um, and oh, um, this <laughs> film, uh, it, I don't, I think it's bad. I think so. I think it is. But I, A, it's been a long time since I've gotten to be in or see a live musical. The closest mm -hmm. I've come, uh, pretty much all pandemic, has been uh, Ratatouille the musical, which was great, by the way. Um, super, super fun uh, to watch. Um, but so, A, I needed that musical itch. Uh, I, I need that musical itch scratched and this scratched it well enough. Mm -hmm. um, but also my mind thought, even though this is like kind of bad, I would love to perform it. I, I bet if I performed in this, I would love it. <laughs> um, so yeah, now let's get into specifics. Um, I, I mean, first of all, let, let, let's just get some good out of the way. Amanda Seyfried is the best part of this movie. She she's awesome. She mm -hmm. she, she can half of this cast can't really sing. <laughs> and unfortunately, as much as some people will probably argue, part of that half is Meryl Streep. <laughs> she's, not, she's not great. She I mean she's okay in some instances, but she's not a great singer. And she keeps getting cast in musicals. Like this, like, is this into the woods and the prom? 
And <laughs> granted, she's better in this than in the prom. Um, but yeah, not great. Um, yeah, but Amanda Seyfried, it just she has she has such a great on-screen presence. Um she just like really brings this character to life, in my opinion, and mm-hmm. <clears throat> it is so captivating to watch. Um and uh yeah, and and I'm ha- I'm happy to see her um get award recognition for Mank as well, because she's really good in that too and deserves an Oscar for it, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so she's really good in it. Um yeah. <clears throat> I guess I keep doing all the positives, like like okay. Uh part of the reason why I don't generally like musicals is that I generally don't like listening to covers of songs when I've heard the original first. Did not have this problem with this movie because I know like three ABBA songs. Yeah. <laughs> they were all there. <laughs> it's funny because like with your like with with your argument there, like a lot of the like I mean most musicals will have original songs written, mm-hmm. but this is entirely written around uh, pre-existing ABBA songs. Yeah, the um, jukebox musical, I believe is the term. Yeah, that is, that Anyways, is like, uh, to continue a little bit, uh, but like, partly because of that, but like, just in general, I definitely had some, I definitely had fun with most of the musical numbers. <clears throat> yeah, I, I mean, the music's good. I mean, uh, yeah. popular for a reason. Um, <clears throat> some of the situations surrounding the musical numbers are a little odd. <laughs> um, I mean, the weird thing is, of course, like they I mean, had like, to, like try to formulate a plot around these songs, uh, and it doesn't always work. Like the one scene in particular that is like, what the fuck is even happening? Well, the two scenes in particular come to mind with what the fuck is even happening right now <laughs> for me. Um, I guess we're going into negatives now. Well, not necessarily negative. It's just like weird. Like the the scene after like the bachelorette party where everyone's just partying and it's just chaos and like some of the girls are thirsting over some of the guys that might be Sophie's dad. <laughs> Which All right, that. Yeah. And then and speaking of thirst. And then the guys from I'm guessing the bachelor party. Or I guess everyone get testicles stagged you because the guy's because the guy's British. Uh <laughs> yeah like like stag dude was like the british and i think irish that general those islands is term for a bachelor party is he british i i, I well he used the term stag dude so i'm assuming he, so i'm assuming the character is at least supposed to be okay yeah i i wasn't i wasn't sure with his because that sure is helping an american term for yeah. one yeah. Um. Yeah. So there was that scene. That, that like, so I think all the guys from like the all the guys from the bachelor party coming in wearing random monster masks for no reason. Oh yeah. That's like what? Yeah. Um. And then there's also the scene where the one guy who I I assume is like around twenty. Um. Mm-hmm. But still, fair much younger than. The one, one uh, Tanya, who is one of the mom's friends, I forget. Oh yeah, the bartender. You mean? Huh? From really, like he, I think, like the guy who was a 
words. Sorry, I'm pretty sure I know. Continue talking. Yeah, <laughs> no, this, this guy, this kid who, who lives on the island um, is like, there's a whole song where he's just like thirsting over this much older woman and she's like kind of teasing him a little bit, but also like, no, no, not doing this. It, that that whole scene is weird. Um, especially because I know that actress best as Leonard's mom on the Big Bang. <laughs> so like this, they so like that in that context, like that was that was weird for me. <laughs> but it mostly the age difference. Um, because you know, eh, I mean. Uh, like I again, I assume he's around twenty, but that's still a lot younger than her. Um, yeah. So yeah, there's yeah, so yeah, there's there's just a couple of weird, weird. Movies. Oh, there's also ah, oh, I remember there's also this one moment where it's okay. The mom and her friends are like walking like. Go through the hotel because the dodgy takes place at the hotel that the mom runs, uh, <clears throat> and like they're walking like through like an after section, and like the mom like makes a comment about like, "Oh, this must be like some cruel twist of fate." And then all of the extras who were just standing behind them start laughing for no reason, and then walk away, and it's never <laughs> explained. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. So here's the thing. A lot of the weirdness in this movie is common in musicals. But just, like, sometimes the weird goes a little over the top with its weirdness. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, a lot of this is, is to be expected. It's just, And a lot of it is, like, weirder when put to film than it would be on stage. Like, I, particularly the, the other... Um, uh the the scene where um it's like uh where um Sophie and Sky are singing um Lay Your Love on Me, I believe is the name of the song. And she she's in the swimsuit, as you see on the thumbnail. Um uh and it's this like nice, like it's it's this sensual, sexy song. Uh, and, then, and then like twenty guys emerge yeah, from the 20 ocean. Guys come in and like take him away from her and start singing to her as well. It's like what the and, f- what and not just happen- singing. They go out marching and dancing onto a nearby dock wearing flippers, which must have been hell because it's so awkward to just walk in flip flops. I can't imagine trying to march and sink or dance. Or dance while wearing flippers. Oh yeah, like props, props to the choreographer. Yeah, they, did a, they did a great job in that scene. That must have been a pain in the ass. Yeah, I mean, yeah, props to the choreographer of this movie. I don't know who choreographed the dance numbers in this, but props to them and props to all the people participating in the dance numbers because there there's some like demanding dancing in the in this movie. Uh, that that seemed being a per, a particular example, um, but yeah, like yeah, like they they totally like cock blocking, <laughs> and then they're also like serenading her. Like what the like what is happening in this movie? Like oh man, yeah, 
Yes, that's that's another one of the weird scenes, but but starts off like pretty like oh okay, like like I although I I could never get like I don't know why, but I don't like Sky. He just seemed like like maybe it's just they didn't really give him much to work with for his character. It's just not. I, I didn't, there were, I, I could never get a read on him. Like, yeah, like, I always, like, I was left with two impressions about Sky. One was my initial question, which was, there's probably going to be some kind of twist where he's a dick or something, and it just isn't really, like, there's a twist where he's crossed with Sophia about Sophia keeping a really big secret from him, but it doesn't really amount to much, and it doesn't really amount to much. And yeah, the whole He's very justifiably annoyed by the situation. Also, fuck you, dude. Like, she wants to know who her father is. Like, like that doesn't have anything to do with you. Like, why is he mad about that? Like, sure, he she didn't tell him, but like, he he doesn't really have justification for getting mad about that specifically because it really doesn't affect. Sure, the dad will be at their wedding. But like that- my, my my impression from that scene was that it was supposed to be like him being insecure about what like the reason that she wanted to have a wedding in the first place because he wanted because like he like he was in favor of like using the money to travel first and then having a smaller wedding <clears throat> but she wanted this big fancy wedding and so he was and so like he was suddenly and so like he was being insecure about was the entire reason that she wanted to marry me like in this big grand ceremony just so you could justify getting figuring out who your dad was. Yeah, okay, I, I guess I, but still, like, yeah. Like, he's still, like, react, like, he's still reacting, like, a bit much for the absolutely no character that he has, but. Yeah. Because, you know, it's the second, like, impression of him is that he is a very incidental character. Like, he is there because the premise of the movie requires there to be a fiancé somewhere. Exactly. That's the only reason he's there. Like, and he, he doesn't, he doesn't have any personality. I, like. I was really surprised that he got a musical number. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, that's, that's the only time you see him singing. Or hear him sing. Uh, yeah, that like that's the only time, except I except in the credits when they're all singing. I I don't know if you watched like the the credit musical numbers. Yeah, then I I stopped at the credit musical numbers when I thought to myself, okay, I thought to myself, okay, I was expecting them to use like because they use like Dancing Queen like within the first thirty minutes, I think of the movie. When I, when I got to that point, I was thinking to myself, huh, I was afraid to just say Dancing Queen to like much later in the end because it's just this iconic song from ABBA. And then they use it for the credits, then the credits. So I was thinking to myself, oh, I see. They cheated by using Dancing yeah, Queen they twice. Cheated. <laughs> they cheated. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, sure. I mean, in all fairness. They also use Mama Mia. Yeah. yeah, but in all fairness, title song and probably the most iconic song for the group. Exactly. Hence so like, it. So like if you were going to cheat with two songs, there would be those two. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like those are the most well Yeah, I don't I don't know that I knew many other Abra songs prior to this besides those two. Um they they have a they have a, a good variety to them. Yeah. Uh for sure. Um 
it, it's it's a little weird to try to formulate a plot around all that. Okay, I guess I also knew Honey Honey prior to this. Um, but that might have been mostly due to, like, maybe hearing clips from this specifically. But I don't know. Uh, but yeah, um, they, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, obviously the music's good. Oh, fuck. What? No, 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 no. Oh, God. I hope. Okay, it's still recording. I hope to God that that did not screw everything up. It says it's still recording. Yeah. I'm definitely going to have to check that recording. After <laughs> what oh, happened? My internet just cut out. Oh. Ugh. That's what happened. I had to like, I had to do that thing where I, I, I just turned it off and turned it back on again and it worked. But that happens often in my dorm. Um, so well, I can't imagine why it would stop recording at the very least because yeah, no, it, it it's it, on your end. Yeah, it, it does say it's still recording. So hopefully the recording might be a little weird, but we'll we'll see. And I'll I'll be sure to check that after we're done. Okay. Whew. Anyway, so you should catch anything of what I would say. Uh repeat it just in case. Okay. So I kind of wish they'd spaced the musical numbers out a bit more so there was actually room for the plot to happen between some of them. Because it feels like in a number of like places, like if they had had like one or two more minutes before going into another musical number, because this movie is jam-packed of musical numbers. Yeah, they. they like, there's one like every seven minutes or something. Yeah, they probably. I mean, they probably just wanted to fit in as many of the songs as they could. Yeah, tremendous here, but I kind of wish they'd either like made the movie longer or or shorter and used fewer songs because like. I feel like if they had given more time for the actual plot to happen, the movie would have been way shorter because people would have had time to actually do the plot in between the musical numbers, which is kind of pause the plot to put them in their own, to put the movie in its own like bubble of this is happening now. Maybe this will be relevant when this when this musical number is done. Who knows? Mm -hmm. We sure as hell don't. Yeah, I, I'm curious to actually see a stage performance of this to see how that how the pacing might be different. Because generally, pacing is different from uh, stage musicals to their film adaptation. Granted, usually the mu the stage version has more music, mm -hmm. but I I don't know. I'd be interested to see how that works for this specific instance. Like if this like if the stage version has more music than this version, that it must just be a concert. <laughs> yeah, well, I I mean I feel like that's that I mean that's part of like what this musical is anyway. Like it's it's a cel it it is primarily a celebration of ABBA's music with everything else coming second. Yeah, which is like this is just like the criticism that I have with the movie, which is packaging the thing I was just saying, the thing that she brought up earlier, I think. Uh, that like the musical numbers, because they were created like independent of the plot of the movie, it feels like all the musical numbers and the actual movie itself take place in different bubble realities. 
Yeah, and, and I mean, they're trying to work the plot around these mu- these songs. Uh, and sometimes it makes sense and sometimes it doesn't. Yeah, like... Like, the the song like that Meryl Streep was singing just before the wedding, it just doesn't... The lyrics just didn't feel like that works. Oh, yeah, that the singer takes it all. That was probably my least favorite number. Yeah, it just feels so like out of place, like in the context of the scene, it feels so out of yeah, place because especially it's especially because they're still going up the hill to the wedding chapel while she's singing this. Like you can see them in the background, and she's just standing there singing to James Bond. Yeah, <laughs> and then like, like go catch up with your daughter's fucking wedding party. And then it just feels like excessively cynical as well, which I guess kind of ties into some of the mom's characterization as thinking like it's a competition between like whichever one is her Sophia's actual father and her for title of parent or something. Yeah, and also here's the other thing. They don't give you an answer for who the father is, but it's Pierce Brosnan. Let's be real. <laughs> it like, they focus on him way more than the other two. And one of them's Colin Firth. Like, <laughs> He, two years later, Colin Firth won an Oscar <laughs> for the King's Speech. Yeah. And then Stellan Skarsgård is also there. He's done some good movies, I but he's like the one I know the least about <laughs> it, it, of these three. Um, he was in Goodwill Hunting, apparently. Oh, he's done some good stuff. Um, oh, also this movie has a sequel. Yeah, and apparently the sequel uses basically the remaining lineup of ABBA songs. <laughs> and is also, and also shows Meryl Streep, or the character Donna, when she was around Sophie's age, played by Lily James. Yeah. Um, so, Yeah. And, and probably, maybe that gives a more concrete answer for who the father is. I imagine if they're going into her at that age, that has to be where it's going, right? I have to imagine, yeah. Yeah, and it's, of course, called Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again, which I... I which is the correct choice of sequel name yes, for this that movie. Is the correct choice for a sequel. Even though it fucking messed with my head because the lyric is Mamma Mia, Here I Go Again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that has always messed with my head <laughs> um i think even before that sequel got made i thought it was here we go again so that like seemingly confirmed it for me and then when a, someone told me no it's here i go again i was like the fuck <laughs> um but yeah i mean here we go again makes more works better as a title for yeah. but yeah. Um, yeah. That. I. I mean. Yeah. That's. That's probably one of the best sequel titles. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, oh gosh. Um, other specifics about this movie. So okay, Piers Brosnan. Um, I can't decide whether it feels like at some points he was decent at singing, and some parts he was just awful. Yeah, I just, like, you generally had a mixed bag on his singing here. Yeah, Colin Firth was decent in that one yeah. song. He, he only did one song. Also, he's gay at the end. 
Yeah. Because sure. <laughs> um like that that felt that felt a little it felt like one of I mean, you know, you know, two thousands movies playing, you know, gay characters for humor. That uh-huh. that's just what this that's just really what this feels like, and it's um yeah, just like it made me think of the scene like with him and one of the other potential dads, like earlier on the boat, where like they were both trying to like uh, say because that's where they sort of laid the seed, no pun intended, for <laughs> um for like because he's really talking about him believing that he is Sophie's dad, like they both are. Ultimately, yeah, both of them, but like, but like for the, for the one guy, like his frame, like the framing makes it like a joke where like the other guy thinks that the guy's just being in the closet about being gay, and then he's actually gay at the end, which is a bit of whiplash for me. Yeah, yeah. Also, also another thing, this movie is way more sexual than I expected it to be. Like I already <laughs> mentioned the, the the lay your love on me, which is like the. Which again, that that number is like with the army of men coming out to preserve the rating yeah, of like the, the movie. First, the first part of that number is like incredibly sexy, uh, but then there's a lot of sexual stuff specifically with the older women, Dawn mm-hmm. and her friends. Again, we already mentioned the other song where the 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 young guy is thirsting after um Tanya or what? Yeah, Tanya. Um. But like, there was like a vibrator joke somewhere, and I'm pretty sure I remember where you were talking. Yeah, like I don't remember the exact wording of it, but like I was like, "Whoa, okay." And then there was like the, like the beginning of the dancing queen number is like incredibly sexual with the with them. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's really. And of course, you know, oh, and then like the scene where like all the girls at the bachelor party are like forcibly semi undressing to of the potential dads. Yeah, that was like, whoa, okay, what, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> um, that yeah, that that whole like big party scene is the point where I was like, oh, what, like <laughs> movie, like what, what is like, what is this movie anymore? Um, I, I'm just curious, what, do you remember what specific part you stopped at when you were, uh, delirious? I stopped just before the scene on the boat with the two guys. Scene on the boat? That we were just talking about, sorry. Oh, yeah, 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 okay, yeah. So, yeah, oh, man, oh, man, I would love, yeah, no, I, I think th- this would be... If I ever revisit this film, it will have to be late at night with a group of people. <laughs> um, and or intoxicated. Well, I'm not doing that, but I will... Well, the other people, then. <laughs> I'll add this to my list of movies I want to watch with someone who is high. <laughs> um, that list pretty much consisting of this, 2001 of Space Odyssey... I having trouble thinking of others right off the top of my head. I mean, I'd nominate Doctor Strange just for the visuals. Huh? I'd nominate Doctor Strange just for the visuals in a lot of scenes. Oh, that could be fun, yeah. 
Um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think of other ones that would be really fun to watch with someone who is um, drunk or high. Um, yeah. Um, <clears throat> but uh, yeah, so that's... Um, uh, do we have any more specific things to say about Mamma Mia? Uh, hold on, I'll check my notes. Um, I, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Uh, oh yeah, I was really unclear as to whether or not the whether or not Pierce Brosnan's character was still married during the time when the movie takes place. Because they mentioned that he left to go get engaged, and eventually it's confirmed that that marriage did not work out for obvious reasons but yeah they yeah they didn't but they didn't really confirm that until the wedding scene yeah so i was just like for a lot of the movie i was just sitting there going wow this guy is this guy left suddenly to go to a tropical island to visit his to go visit his ex on a tropical island where they used to bang <laughs> And where they, in fact, banged right when he was cheating on his actual wife, on his wife, before their engagement. Yeah, it's like... To go to, to visit her for a wedding out of nowhere. Just saying, wow, this guy's wife has a lot of faith in him. And it turns out he had she had exactly as much faith in him as he should have because she divorced him. Oh, also, this movie, I mean, we already mentioned that um, Colin Firth's character, Harry, um, comes out as uh, gay. Mm. Um, th this, this movie, ha and, and the whole, like, Pierce Brosnan and Meryl Streep getting engaged, or straight up married at the end. Mm. Um, like, th this movie has that forced, like, movie ending... Um, nah. probably the same in the musical, but it has that same like forced movie ending trope where like everyone, everyone gets married, someone, and like Bill ends up with the one friend of, um, or, who or was a Rogers. cook apparently. I I don't remember. Like she, she yeah. I think she had like a cookbook or whatever at the beginning that one of the locals wanted signed. Yes, she yes she has a cookbook, but I. I one of the two women is related to Donna in some way, I think. I don't remember. I, it's unclear. It, <laughs> I don't remember. I, th I think the one Bill ends up with is the aunt of Sophie. Well, Sophie refers to both of them as her aunt. Yeah, so which could just be like a close friends of her mom thing, but that that might just that might be what it is. That might be what it is. They're they're probably yeah. So so yeah, they end up together for some reason, and and they have a whole musical number where she is like, oh I oh I forget what that song is, but that's the other that's another song I knew prior. To yeah, that was like the third song that I knew by Abbott, and I also can't remember where it is right now. Yeah, um, but yeah, she it's a, like a whole musical number of like she wants to get with him, but he's not into it at first. But then he's like, ah, yeah, sure, why not? <laughs> it's like, yeah, I might not be able to get away with that today, but <laughs> yeah, probably a couple things in this film you couldn't get away with today. Um, but yeah, so that that's all the specifics I have on this movie. You got anything else? 
Uh, one second, I'm trying to double check the name of that song because it's bothering me now. <laughs> take a chance on me, goddamn, that's what yes, it was. Take a chance on me. Yeah, that that's it. Yeah, that's the one. Uh, yeah. Any other specifics? Hold on. Uh... Oh yeah. It's not really coming on the movie. At some point, I just thought of the general idea of a psychological, like, like a psych of like a horror movie where the horror aspect of the movie is the fact that it's a musical, but all the musical numbers are diegetic and no one knows what's going on, and like the uh, creeping dude, horror of the movie is represented by the slow, uh, the the incursion of more and more musical numbers. Jacob, I want you to know, Team Star Kid has got you covered. <laughs> They're, they're literally, I, I've told you about Team Starkid. I still need to show you Twisted, but now I also need to show you the guy who didn't like musicals. Because <laughs> that's exactly what that is. That's exactly what you just described. <laughs> it's awesome. It, it's great. Like, yeah, I gotta show you both of those now. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, that's exactly, that's exactly it. Um, awesome. <laughs> I appreciate the use of the term diegetic. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, uh, uh, term for you guys for any yeah. sound that is actually occurring in the world of the film. Yeah, I picked it. Like, oh, it also it can also apply it can also apply to like other mediums where like something can be like in the world of the story or the world of actual reality but yeah. not really both. Yes, with non-diegetic being sounds that don't exist within the it's world. Like, it's like the music in a video game is also traditionally non-diegetic, so. Anyways, like, yeah, I learned it, learned the term from a video and I just liked the term as a descriptive thing, so. Yeah, I mean. Also some verisimilitude, but that's a lot harder to work into conversation. Yeah. Because it's a lot harder to say. <laughs> <laughs> that's the that's the only reason. <laughs> um, uh, got any more specific notes on this? Uh, just like the general comment of just a general observation of a lot of scenes have the characters running into a scene and then running out of it to go to somewhere else randomly. Yeah, I mean, like I mean, the first musical number of the movie is like. Sophia and friends just like randomly running around reading the journal for no reason. Yeah, I, I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and then it's like, and like the scene where Sophia is finally telling her, finally telling Sky that she invited three of her, like all three of her potential dads for the wedding. Like she runs up to him on the dock, says, I need to talk to you, and then just runs away without explaining anything. Yeah, I mean, that's. I, I, that might just be their attempt of like you know, entrances and exits, like you would do in a in a stage production. But it, yeah, it it does come off as weird cinematically. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, yeah. So I guess final thoughts on this. Um, uh, I can go first. Yeah, yeah, you. Can. Uh, Final thoughts. I have to. I had a lot more fun with this movie than I think than I thought I would have, thought I would going in. I don't think it entirely works. So I do think 
I am with you and I think that I think it's a bad movie, but I did have some fun with it. Yeah, I think and, and again, like this th- like I think this move my my final thoughts are I I think this movie is overall bad, but like it is it is a fun time. Uh and like like you can definitely have fun with this movie and I think I would have a lot of fun performing this on stage. I don't know what character I would want to play um cuz they're the guy characters aren't really <laughs> the best. <laughs> um but like I don't know. Um now I I honestly, I'd be fine just being in the course of this one, but it, it's still, I'd, I would still have fun with it. Also, maybe Sky's more interesting in the stage musical. That maybe that could also be the case. I don't, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I, I would also be, I, I'd be interested to see a stage at a uh, stage uh, performance of this whenever I can. Um, <laughs> Uh, just to see the differences uh, there. But uh, yeah, that's going to be it for this episode. Do you have a 2009 movie picked up? I'm going to be honest, I'm still working on that. Okay. Uh, well, well, we'll figure it out and uh, you guys will find out um, what uh, it is next time, I guess. Uh, and who knows what we'll be doing next time, but, uh, yeah, we'll just, just figure it out. Um, and, uh, yeah, thank you guys for listening. Of course, you can listen to this, uh, podcast on YouTube, as well as Anchor, uh, on anchor.fm slash podcast, and also on Spotify. I, I don't know what to say for a link you you might be able to find this just by searching i don't know um, i think i have at one point all right but uh if you really want to support us listen to it on anchor because we're monetized on anchor um so uh that that that'd be great um we've earned like 10 cents but can't cash out until we get like 10 or 15 dollars or something <laughs> um where what is it like a thousand like a hundred no ten dollars would be like a hundredth of the way there yeah yeah something like that so yeah um but yeah if you want to support us listen to this on anchor to be fair i think a lot more people listen to this on youtube than on anchor because people don't know what anchor is that's why i link it in the description of every video i post now but uh yeah go if you really want to support this podcast check us out on anchor um we don't have a set schedule for this uh because we're busy with other stuff but we we make episodes when we can so just check back regularly um and uh if there's ever a new episode, it will be up on a Tuesday. So I guess if that helps. Um, Tuesday is on Anchor, I should say. Tuesday is on Anchor and Spotify. Wednesday is on YouTube. So um, that that's our new um, upload schedule. So um, yeah, thank you guys for listening and or watching if you're watching. Um, 
But uh, yeah, that'll be it uh, for this episode. Peace. Adios. And scene. Wait, where's the... <laughs>